0: Good evening and welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by the Freedoms Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many human stories as we can. Why? You might ask to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness, our stories become our strength. Please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. So regardless of how crappy or wonderful our opinions might be to you, they still remain opinions, nothing more. You might hear swearing adult themes and situations as well as the tragedies humans face and walk through every day. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian or have the explicit permission of those individuals. Uh, Hello. Tonight is just me talking to you about stuff and things. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about is the Pathway to Freedom group program, the group workshop that um, we put on free of charge to anyone interested in making some life-altering changes um, and who maybe have had enough of what they're going through, whether it be chemical dependency or a mental health concern or even just simply being alive and being human and trying to struggle our way through that. Uh, So this weekend, actually, the group is ongoing, going on right now, uh, and tomorrow will be the last day. And it's been an incredible group so far um, what we do is we take the steps and we apply the steps to a multitude of issues that humans have and in doing that we are trying to illuminate obviously some of the challenges but more importantly from from my perspective is we try to illuminate um, the positive parts of recovery even though there are times where it sure doesn't feel like it's positive (laughs) because there are times where we feel those of us recovering from something, there are times where you feel like you just can't do it anymore. Right. And to be honest with you, working in the group um, space is one of the things that's kept me doing this work because I just see how impactful it is when people help each other. And that's what happens in a group. So one of the things that occurs, with pathways is really no different from many groups when people come together is the group bonds. And when the group bonds together, um, that's when there is some serious, not only healing that I have found anyway, but a jumping off point for lots of people as to what direction to go in, in the next step, in the next phase of their recovery. Um, we talk about pain management, uh, things that come up Uh, while we're recovering because we were, many of us were self-medicating for so long that by the time we sobered up, we had no idea how broken we actually were. (laughs) So when you get rid of the booze and the drugs, um, many of us over time just simply realize that we have done some damage to our bodies with some of the things we've done. And it's not always as a result of the actual consuming of a chemical oftentimes it's a result of consuming the chemical and then doing something incredibly stupid. Um, And one of the things I think about when I think of (laughs) being incredibly stupid and having very little to do with like the actual action of physically drinking or using a drug was I used to look for work, like jobs that I could do that would allow me an outlet for my anger, right? So that I could do things like um, loss prevention. So And here's the thing. When I was young, loss prevention seemed like a wonderful idea for me because I got to run and chase and fight, get punched in the face, all that kind of stuff that I loved as a young man. And um, so take that to now. And I think it was probably the most absurd thing I've ever done in my life was catch people. First of all, I caught people for stealing when I myself stole, right? So hypocrite, obviously. Um, but when I look back, I just think all of the risks that I took in order to catch somebody for stealing um, is disproportionate to the act of stealing. <laughs> That's all I can really say about that, right? Is that? But going through, say, um, a workshop like Pathways allows me to realize that that was not because I was drunk, because I was working. I was not drunk. I never drank when I went to work. I did morphine sometimes before going to work, but I never drank, right? Um, so without any sort of chemical push, I didn't take much for me to just be like, okay, I'm just going to run out that door and jump in the back of that truck that's doing a grab-and-run, right? And and it, the truth of the funny thing about it is is that it wasn't just me. Like, we were all hooked into this, like, adrenaline-dumping um quasi law enforcement thing that we were all just kind of like running around it gave some of us to be honest with you it gave me um, a license to fight and for me that was something that i really wanted <laughs> when i was practicing because i didn't want to go to jail like i was terrified of losing my freedom right like the one thing that i've always been terrified of is losing my freedom even when i was practicing uh, and so I found out right away or the well what I thought was the best direction for me to go in was to not be um, going back to getting i won't I wouldn't get another conditional sentence. let's put it that way. So when they gave me a conditional sentence, it's not like they were going to give me another one. <laughs> the next step for me was going to jail so when i moved when I was deported and moved up here to Canada um from Los Angeles area. I, uh, I was at a a turning point where I had to make some decisions as to what my life was going to be. Right. And so when I made the decision to go back down to California and take care of my warrants that I had, I sucked it up and said, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I got to go back and do this. And the whole purpose was so that I didn't have to go and continue that life of running. Right. And So that was like a decision I made that was probably pretty reasonable. However, really, as time went on, I realized I was making those choices to do those jobs because I wanted an outlet for my fucking pain, right? I want another outlet so that I could, um, at the time, make other people hurt like I did. In some cases, not always, but some cases. Um, And honestly, that's what I did to women as well. I didn't physically touch them or hurt them, but I absolutely uh, emotionally, um, I was absolutely emotionally unavailable while telling people I was available. Right. So I do all kinds of stupid shit, like ask, um, a girl to marry me just because I don't want to like take a chance and being alone. Like it's, it's that kind of stupid shit. Like, and of course I also thought that I, I loved them. There was twice. It happened twice. Wait, three times. Yeah. It happened three times. All of the first one was about a child that I thought I was having. So, but it turned out that there was never any child. And this, I was a teenager. This, this individual kind of wanted to hold me down. So told me I was pregnant or she was pregnant. She couldn't tell me I was pregnant. I wouldn't have bought it. Um, I would have just said it was Taco Bell. Yeah. Are you pregnant? No, Taco Bell, man. I got crabs. So going through a program like Pathways allows individuals to actually become more comfortable talking about some of the stuff that's happened, right, in their life. And that's the hope, is to become, let that stuff have less power over us, right? And more, like, less power over our decision-making. You know, I um when I put the program together, I was off work. I had published a couple of books, so I had some money, and then I, I could take... A year off and just kind of I didn't have a lot of money I just had enough that I it convinced myself I didn't have to work <laughs> but let me tell you I needed to work pretty quick when all that money ran out right and so I anyway I took a, a year off and I kept going to meetings and I I kept feeling like I was missing something right so I had to start thinking about what it was that I was missing. And what it was, was it's not AA was missing anything or NA or any of the other fellowships. They, they weren't missing anything. It was simply that what I wanted was more, right? So it wasn't that anything is missing, but they have specific. So AA has specific about drinking and NA about narcotics and CA about cocaine and, and all these different things, right? And that's perfectly legit because that's we need them like without question but that doesn't mean that's where it ends right Um, so what I got in the habit of doing was just kind of going to meetings and trying to figure out what it was that maybe I was missing from meetings but also what other people might have been missing right and so oftentimes this is just one example of things so it's not just one thing that started a pathway to freedom leading into freedoms path recovery society but one thing was the ego, right? So we would go, around, I'd go around to, to meetings and hear all these different descriptions of the ego and very few of them were accurate, like very few of the way Freud intended, right? So very few of these descriptions were accurate and, and don't get me wrong, I don't even know if science today supports Freud's claim of us having an ego. I have no idea. Like, so if you're out there and you're hearing this, like look it up because I'd be interested to find out if there's, if the, psych, the community of psychiatrists or mental health professionals, I don't even know what the actual status of that stuff is anymore, right? Because we get so used to using this word. Um, anyway, that's what led really the beginning of it was about ego and some other things that were continuously coming up. Um, and I thought for myself, I wasn't finding the answers in, in the rooms of any of the 12 step fellowships. So where I decided to go was outside of that arena into say more of like the Alberta health area where they're coming from. But it it took year. It took time, right? So when I had that time off, I was able to spend the time and listening to all these at these different groups and finding out like um, just trying to determine what was the best, program for me to start to start because I I do sometimes occasionally have the urge to create something and (laughs) and do it right and that was what uh, pathway to freedom was so I I um, I was working at a treatment center and I took a job at a uh, domestic violence shelter and at that time I don't know what what it's like now but at that time at that shelter I was the only male counselor so Because that's tricky, right? It's tricky business to have abused women trust you and not mistake you for a potential mate, right? Because there's lots of tricky stuff that goes into it. And I don't know that arena of um, treatment well enough to know because I didn't stay very long. Like I went to, I went there to work and this is what spurred on a pathway to freedom and then freedom's path was that I went to work for this agency And within six weeks, um, they were moving our offices into cubicles. And so one of the things that I told myself when I first started as a social worker, I will never work in a fucking cubicle. I did. I said it to myself over and over and over again. If they put you in a cubicle, you fucking quit. So, of course, by the time I got here to this point with this agency, I told myself that same sentence over and over again for almost like fifteen years at that point, so I knew I couldn't work in a cubicle. So what happened was I take the job with this agency so I'm there i want to say like three and a half weeks so part of the caveat to me joining this agency was they had to agree uh, like let me take my holidays that I already booked to go down to california so they agreed to let me go. And even though it was only like literally three and a half weeks after I started working there, but I I'd I'd been around a while. And so they were really interested in having me. So they so for that, I kind of regret how it happened. Um, But that's only because I didn't intend on it. Right. Uh, I didn't go there with the like thinking I was going to leave right away. I didn't. I thought I was going to go there and it was good money. I'd finally got to a job in this field where even the frontline worker made decent money. So I was like, man, this is cool. Like this might be a really cool job. And it was a cool job to try to help women who are recovering from being abused. 100%, like awesome work, right? So like I go away to California and I'm gone for about 10 days, right? And so they had told, they had told us that when I come back, they're probably going to be already moved to a new location. But they didn't tell us was we were going to be working in cubicles, right? But it's a good thing they didn't tell us because I came back to, I'm like, okay, I got an email with a new address where I have to go for our office and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I go there and I'm like, I'm, I come up the stairs and I round the corner. I want to say stairs. Yeah, there were stairs. Cause I had to walk out. Like I said, I wasn't there very long at the new location. So I, um, I don't even think I was there. Not even two weeks, not even a week. No, it wasn't even a week, man. I want to say it was two weeks. Cause I want to say that I wasn't like overly impetuous but the truth is it wasn't even a week I came in one two I think I had two days in the cubicles and I said nope so I like went to work on the third day back from vacation something like that it's like in the middle of when was it it was like November but it was cold and and like nasty um and I just got back from California so of course it was like yeah, dude, I am not working in a fucking cubicle. Like, there's no way. Because I'm like, I was just in California, free as a bird. And I'm going to walk in here and go into a cage. No, thank you. So it took me two days to, like, pray about it and mull it over and be like, do I really need it that bad? I mean, I was even willing, like, when it came to me because... I had talked to a couple of colleagues about my feelings about the cubicles. And, of course, they laughed at me. And they're like, fuck, dude, only you would find the one job that actually puts people in a cubicle anymore in our field. And I said, "I, dude, I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> anyway, I, I went to work on the third day, out, getting back from vacation. And I'm sitting out in my, in my blazer. I had this old blazer. It was I love that fucking thing. Except it was dying. And I had to get rid of it. Unfortunately, because it was like so much fun. Um, so I'm sitting out with my blazer, I'm smoking because I still smoked back then. And I'm like, just, I'm chain smoking because I'm like, if I go back in there, it was after lunch. And so I said, if I go back in there, I'm quitting. Right. And of course, I'm like, are you really going to fucking quit, dude? Like, are you really going to do this? That was the decision because it wasn't just quitting. Because what had happened was I had been moving from one agency to another. And it's not how I like to be. So what, what, I, what I realized was that I was tired of beating my head against the wall, the same wall. The same wall was always the same. It was, you will do it our way or you won't do it, right? And so I'm like, hmm, well, it's not up to them, right? Because it's not up to everybody else whether I do something. So I thought, no, nope, it's not up to them. It's up to me. Like, I'm gonna, I'm not going to stay here um, with bitterness in my heart I'm not going to stay here and be a dick. It's not my job to change where they work out of, right? And it was it was humbling, but it was also really like empowering because I said none of that is my job to tell them I don't like this. So, and they don't need to know that in terms of like the whole details of it. But of course, when I went back in from my like fucking hour long, basically all I did for my lunch break was smoke, right, and drink a coffee. (laughs) Like that was it. But any smokers out there, you understand. You don't need a whole lot of food when you're smoking, right? The appetite suppressant that it naturally is. Um, So I I like slowly walked into the building and I stood at the bottom of the stairs and I'm like, yeah, you got to do it, man. You got to do it. And I had talked to some friends too, and like sober friends, trying to at least make sure I wasn't being completely ridiculous by not accepting this, right? Like I... In What happened in recovery, though, was I started to learn what my limits were with with all kinds of things, one of them being work. I'm like, I I don't want to be in a cubicle, man. I can't be free in a cubicle. That means I can't be me. That means I'm not going to be working genuinely with these clients, right? So there was a whole lot for me that was going on there, but predominantly came back to a very tiny thing like being put in a cubicle kind of like nobody puts baby in a corner right nobody puts davy in a cubicle fuck you <laughs> right and uh, and i honestly didn't i didn't think twice about it once the once the decision came that i was willing to take the risk and trust in my version of god that when i left this job i'd be okay because i had nothing i had this was the first time in a long time where i was quitting a job without another job i i've had a job since i was a kid right so being unemployed has always been well i've only had it happen a couple of times and one of them was by choice so it really didn't i was scared (laughs) i hadn't negatively been affected when i quit yet right so not in the long run and not having anything planned well i did have something planned like i had pathways planned pathways was ready like sort of ready um for its infancy right and so then once I had it together, I presented it to um, Central United Church downtown. And I ended up getting on contract with them. So I, I worked uh, on contract with them doing one-on-one counseling, um, bringing them the Pathway to Freedom group. And then from there, their, their recovery ministry there uh, blossomed into more, more options available, right? So we, because the recovery ministry there is like 25 years old, Versus the one here at Wild Rose, which is about a year and half old, something like that, maybe a year and four months. Yeah, because it was May. I walked in there to this place, and the manager, like, for some reason, I don't even know why, both managers were there that day. They just happened to be. But I walked in, and I just, I said to my direct manager, I said, "I need to talk to you for a minute, um, if that's okay." And she said. Uh, she goes yeah sure and I think she goes is it okay if we talk about it in front of the other boss her boss right and I said yeah that's fine she'll find out anyway all right so they said okay what's going on Dave we sat down and I said uh, I said I gotta quit (laughs) and uh, oh my god the manager who hired me was my immediate supervisor she just looked at me like are you fucking kidding because they were like well the the amount of shit they must have went through to get a guy to come to work there must have been like kind of heavy like they must have had to do some talking because she was pretty upset right and and she said are you like you sure you don't want to give notice and i said you don't have to give notice to me if you fire me within 3 months why would i give you notice and then she was like whoa and i said yeah this is this is the trouble with some sometimes with employers is that you think that I'm at your control, and the difference is is that I'm not. I'm not gonna wait for you to decide, I don't have to. I can decide for myself, I'm a grown man, and, and that I can leave. Now, I had this discussion with a colleague, not the manager, but everything leads into another because going from that office where they were just like super pissed, right? Because I told them the truth. I said, look, you don't have to give me notice. I didn't even know yesterday. I didn't know what I was going to do last night. I didn't know until this afternoon at lunch <laughs> and I was honest. I said, look, I sat in the car and I just, I deliberated what I was going to do with my career and I didn't even tell them it was because of the cubicles because nothing they can do about that, right? That's not, they don't need to know that shit. The other people were fine with it. So none of my business. So I just simply said, because I wanted to do pathways, really what I wanted to do with my own thing. And so I told her that I said, I, it's time for me to go and do my own thing. You know, because I've been tired of beating my head up against the wall. Every time, every place I'd worked for other people, except for a couple of like instances, were basically me just jamming my head up against the wall. Going like, I guess I'll just keep fucking doing this shit till I'm dead. Right? Until Pathways came along. And I got to start interacting with humans in the very genuine way that I was hoping to. And of course, the response of that was pretty fucking good, right? Like it was because I finally was able to do things um, in a way that I felt was um, parallel to my belief in God and my practice of spirituality and all those things. And I say God, but I, I just mean like a creative intelligence. I'm not talking about a dude with a white beard in a white robe on a cloud or any other dude for that matter or any woman for that matter because I believe God's bigger than that right so I don't know what we would call it besides the word God I mean whatever you want you can call it whatever you want I don't care that's what I call it because it's easy for me to remember you know um, so anyway I, I went through that process and developing pathways actually it it took me a month to put it all together once I had the ability to work and not have to go show up at a cubicle for 10 hours a day yeah once i had the ability to focus on it it was it took about a month and the first pathways program was january of 2012 right so so it's almost seven years old yeah i always get tied up in the time frame because my drunk brain still operates on like no idea what time and space are um so it was 2012 january 2012 was the first one and this weekend is well I can't even remember how many it is now so I didn't write down the numbers but for for that long we've been doing it Uh, and it's an open group and it's free right so basically what we go through is recovery process we talk about how the steps can apply to real life how we can utilize those things to like be okay and then we talk about all kinds of strategies to continually get better versus just stay the same kind of thing so Uh, yeah, I, I always appreciate being able to do it. Like I feel so full of like gratitude and energy and all that kind of stuff. And it's evident because this morning when I woke up, so I broke my back a few years ago. And so I have to deal with some of the side effects of three back surgeries. Oftentimes that just means like a, a pain out of the blue. So, so, so this past year, this is the second time this morning I woke up with a complete and utter like, um, cramp, spasm, and uh, pain in my upper back. So my lower back, lower third of my spine is is like uh, caged by metal, and there's rods um, fusing into my vertebrae. I have no discs down there. So what they told me, and this makes sense to me, even though I'm not a doctor, but they said the the levels above your, because I have a three-level fusion into my pelvis. So they said the levels above your fusion are going to have to work harder. Sometimes you may get like problems with your upper back, right? Or your mid back or whatever. Um, and so oh my goodness, last last December, uh, it was the 30 it was the 30th. We were going up to see Heather's family in Red Deer and I woke up and couldn't get out of bed. Like I just out of the blue. I hadn't been like overworking or it's just a it was stress, but it wasn't there wasn't as much going on as there usually is, right? But that, at that time, we did, had just found out. No, I didn't. I found out the day before. That's right. That's what it was. I found out the day before that a, a pretty good friend of mine had overdosed. And he was sober for a few years. And um, so that just kind of hit me. And I didn't even get a chance to really like process it um, because we had to go up to Red Deer and go be around family and stuff. I think it was this. Yeah, it was the night before is when I found out. And then by the morning when I woke up, I couldn't get out of bed. And so it was the first time Heather had seen me like literally um, contract into a fetus, right? Where I, I absolutely could not move because yeah, my back had seized up completely from the, from the middle to the, sh- to the neck. I couldn't move. I was just like in paralyzing pain. And then it just took a few minutes. I had to slowly like straighten my body out which is not pleasant when you're in fucking pain. Um, but, you know, it took the time it took. And so that happens every once. That used to happen more often. This, this was the second time this year. So I, it's progress, right? But I still, the, the group gives me so much energy. I woke up and I could barely fucking move. And I said, okay, we're just going to like take this one step at a time, just like the group. You're going to go to the bathroom. You're going to shower. You're just going to do it as slowly as you have to do it. And you're just going to do it. And so that's how much energy I get from coming and sharing in the the journey with people is because normally I would have had to have taken the day, right? And the interesting thing is, is my dad, like we had the perfect storm for me to go home after group, right? Because my dad had sent me a message and he didn't even know that my back was hurting. He just said, why don't you just take tonight off from church? And I was like, hmm. Maybe I will take the night off from church because other things that happened to you, like I was telling you earlier, tonight's guests, um, they're struggling. So what are you going to do? Of course, my only concern about that is their health and their welfare. Uh, um, But of course, it also meant I had an out, right? So I had this big out. If I wanted to go home, um, I could have. But this is why I didn't just say, dude, I want to cancel right? It was because I wanted to hear what you thought we we could do. And then when you sent what you sent back, I just said, okay, fair enough. I'm going right. Because it's that simple. It wasn't any big, long thing. It was just a matter of, I'm kind of at a loss for what to do here. I feel like I'm in pain, like in that moment, because it was eight, nine o'clock in the morning. And then I'm thinking, yeah, but I, I also know it can get better. Right. And so movement helps a little bit. So Walking here this morning, that was, it saved my fucking life, right? But the only reason I walked here is because I love doing this group so much, right? Um I just love how in a three-day workshop, human beings who are like ready to change, they'll just dive right in. They'll just dive right in, man. Like this, this group is just as equally powerful as any other group I've ever done, you know? Uh, and I'm a fan of small groups, right? So the fact that there's only two participants in this group is perfect for me because in my mind, that's where you're going to, those two people are going to be able to work through much more than if there was 10 or 20, right? And I like it because I get to give them the attention I always hope to be able to give people, right? Like that personal attention. I just love doing that because it, 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 to me, this is all about relationships, right? Like all about relationships, nothing about um, some dogma. It's just about like building relationships with humans, right? And Pathways, a part of it is about building healthy relationships with humans. And part of that means you engage with other humans (laughs) in a healthy way, which is basically like helping each other, right? And so what comes from the group is the group members help each other, like if they get stuck. So I've had groups that are like 16, Right. And so, in that kind of a group, I lose track of who's in trouble sometimes because there's just so much going on. But the good thing about the way, um, maybe it's just the way our groups go, have gone so far, because I've only had to kick two people out of my groups and it's only because they were drunk. That's it. It's only because they came drunk. You can come if you've had a couple of drinks, but if you're drunk, you can't, I can't work with you. It's not even helpful. And it's definitely against, um, it's not helpful for the rest of the group, right? Because the one group where I kicked the guy out, he almost got himself like knocked out by somebody in the group. And if it wasn't for me at that moment saying, okay, it's gone too far. Like, because I was trying to let him adjust, right? But when you went after one of the other group members who I know really well, I had to intervene because I know that group member will not take any shit. <laughs> will not take any shit from any humans like outside of maybe his mom, <laughs> and even then, he might not, right? Like, um, but so anyway, well, from my perspective, doesn't mean that everybody's like happy like unicorns at the end of it, right? When it goes well, from my perspective, people are different, right? Now, whether they stay that way or go back into their own, their old habits, that's up to them, right? But what I hope to give people through the three days is the ability to find the courage to keep going right and maybe to to see something they didn't see before that gives them the courage or helps them find the courage to keep going and digging into their recovery right instead of sitting and waiting and always playing like band-aid game on stuff right we can if we engage in the process um, more deeply we can get away from just putting band-aids on shit we can start actually healing you know, and, and you know what the truth is, this is not a replacement for any other programming. This is an addition, right? That's the way I look at it. I'm not trying to replace any model that exists because there are so many good models. It would be like a fool's errand to do that, right? Like ever since the, like since treatment centers have become more, um, available, uh, there's from that then came another evolution, which went from, So we had the 12 steps, the first real like Oxford group in England before the 12, before AA, but it was very, very much more religious. So AA was a little bit more of a a milder version uh, in terms of that. Um, Obviously that's summarizing the history of AA and I'm not trying to lock it up into a tiny little ball because you know who is, you know, who can be really like defensive about their book and about their program. Any of those groups, right? So there's not all people in those groups, but there's always going to be some people who take it on as their charge to protect the sanctity of whatever it is that they're protecting. For those of you who can't see me, I just use the quotation, finger things. Yeah. Um, Because we don't know what needs to evolve and what doesn't need to evolve. I can tell you that from my experience, the church is one of the slowest things to evolve, right? It's one of the slowest. And why is that? Well, it's because the book is the book, right? And don't get me wrong, there's lots of offshoots from the original scrolls of Christ, right? There's lots of different religions that are a little bit more moderate maybe. And as time goes on, I, I think religion's going to either continue to evolve or it'll just simply die away, right? Um And that's not because I don't believe in God. I believe in God wholeheartedly. I just, the dogma of religion is like other people's thinking and we're monitoring our lives based on that. Other people who weren't alive, who would never have been able to imagine a smartphone, okay? So they couldn't imagine it because it wasn't available and because our brains weren't advanced enough at that time, obviously, to figure it out. Because it's not like the resources weren't here on this planet, right? They were. We just weren't in a position to find it. So as those things change, how could religion not change? I think it would have to. That's just my opinion. Again, this is all opinion. And I'm not speaking for anybody when I say that. I just think, like, as a Christian, one of the things that, like, makes me... Well, that hurts my hurts me a little bit, to be honest. If It hurts my heart, is that... Um, Christianity has messed it up so bad, right? Because the truth is, Jesus was a human. He was a person on this earth. People know that. Like other religions, identify Jesus as a as a person who existed, right? Um, but he, like that, I don't understand when people say, "What would Jesus do?" and then they judge. <laughs> and I think that's not what Jesus would do, man. Like that person was not that person. He was the he was the image of Buddha. Jesus was the image of uh, Muhammad. Jesus, these are the people of, the, of those particular belief structures. That's just what, that's what they encountered, right? Um, I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of like using all the information you possibly can to live your best life, right? I mean, that's what recovery is. I want to take whatever I can and tr- learn how to live my best life, you know, whatever that looks like for people. It's gonna be different for you, different for me, right? Like that we don't, we don't like the same stuff all the time. There might be some things we're f- we're very like close on, of course, but are we gonna like all the same things? Probably not. Why would we with religion? Why would we just all of a sudden stop being fucking human and be like, no, 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 I'm gonna go ahead and suspend my humanity because I want to deal with this unicorn? Right? I want to deal with the searching for the unicorn bullshit. Fuck, man. <laughs> it, like, and don't get me wrong, I was raised in a church. Like, my dad's a minister. I, I work in a church. I love, there's, a, there's something about the church that I love. And what it is, is that it's a hospital. Right? It's supposed to be. This was supposed to be a hospital for people who were sick and broken and brokenhearted and suffering. Right? I think we're trying to turn it into that again because it was one at one point. I believe it was. I believe, I mean, charity basically didn't exist before that, before some religion, right? Now, I'm not saying that it was Christianity. I mean, it could have been, um, well, however long Buddhism has been around, much longer than Christianity. And so they had their own form of generosity and helping others, right? Each, each religion has that in there somewhere. For the most part, there's some sort of, let's be of use to each other, right? And I think that's what, um, I think essentially AA and some of the 12-step groups, they just might be evolutions of that religion, right? Because they they incorporate, like the big book, for example, incorporates, it it mentions creative intelligence, universal, that kind of stuff, right? Um, instead of just focusing on this Christian God, right? So... I appreciated that in the beginning because I was not ready to talk to God. I wasn't. I wasn't ready, man. I thought, I thought he hated me, you know. Um, and I, I literally thought that my life was a testament at what happens when God hates you, right? Um, obviously, in hindsight, through the years, I've been able to reconcile myself to the fact that I was fucking wrong, <laughs> right? That it wasn't, first of all, my story wasn't the worst, Not even fucking close. And second of all, God doesn't hate anything. God doesn't hate anything that God creates. Why the fuck would he? Or it, right? So when I say he, I'm just speaking of what I've known since I was a child. I'm not saying it because I think God's a boy. I I don't. I don't think God is of gender, right? We make God of gender because that appeals to us. That's my opinion, again, right? Is whenever... I was in trouble I appealed to God as a father so therefore he looked like a person right however as I as this experience of being human and being sober unravels I I don't I don't think so <laughs> I think less and less right and the funny thing is and maybe I'll switch topics after this but whatever um I may not <laughs> the funny thing is is that when I work with a couple of atheists and so they're both wonderful humans, like wonderful humans. Um, but one of them, I was encouraged. I only see him occasionally. Like he's one of my, my off again, my off again, on again clients, but I always get a kick out of talking to him because he keeps me on my toes. And I like that. Um, but, but <clears throat> now I can't remember where I was going to go with that dude. Seriously. Like my brain's like garbage religion Uh, what's that yeah he's an atheist oh oh yeah talking to me about uh Carl Sagan's the cosmos so this is going to be like I'm admitting some of my ignorance here and how I've spent a good portion of my life hiding my head in the sand because I first of all I'd heard of Carl Sagan's cosmos but of course I put all of that stuff out of my mind um I don't know why I, I don't, I have no reason for it. I just did. I didn't put, I didn't pursue any of that, that information. Once I left school, even when I was in school, I tried to avoid it. I don't know why, probably because I wasn't ready. Right. So anyway, a couple of years ago, was it a couple of years ago? Yeah. A couple of years ago, I watched the whole thing on YouTube, Carl Sagan's, the cosmos. And there's a couple things throughout. The whole the the series that stick with me one was the way he looked up at the sky so if you ever get a chance to watch it um the way he looks up at the sky is with such admiration and love and like wonder right and i think that's you got goosebumps i think that's what happens when we look at the sky is we get that sense of wonder so we start to put together a story now carl sagan when he put together the story, he had a lot more information than when the first Christian put it into a story, right? So we have a totally different environment where now... So what I, what I remember vividly when I close my eyes sometimes and I'm thinking about it, I just remember the look on Carl's face when he looked up to space. That's the same look I get when I pray to God. So I could recognize that. So um, So <laughs> he goes... Well, what do you think now after he, I was done watching it? And I said, oh, man, you were right. You were right. I was wrong about God. God is so much bigger than what I thought. And he just fucking looked at me and he's like, really? I said, dude, I, I can't help it, man. It's just how I felt watching it. I felt like you had you had encouraged me to open this door. And I'm glad you did because I learned so much and I realized that not only is there a god but he's big enough for Carl Sagan to look for right because and then i told him what had happened and he goes fuck i never would have looked at it like that and i said well that's just how i have to look at it because that's what happened when i watched it i said i, I wanted to give it an honest shake because i'd never done that before and so wanting to figure this stuff out and learn and, and start to maybe learn how to think a little bit differently than i had been um, because obviously I, I want to keep evolving, right? Just like any book I hope evolves, I want to keep evolving. I don't want to stop learning, you know? I want to, whenever I go somewhere to engage with people, I want to hear them, you know? I want to get to know, um, yeah, I want to get to know what makes them tick and stuff, man. But anyway, that's that was my experience with the cosmos, and I really like that because I, even just talking about the story, I feel warm thinking about him when he's looking to the stars, eh? Because you could tell he loved it, you know, and that he had found, obviously he found his passion and his gifts, right? And that's pretty fucking cool, man. You know, I love seeing people fucking happy. I love it. I love seeing people in love and not just with a person, but I mean, like in general, when people carry themselves with love, um, I just fucking love that, man. Like, it's such a cool thing to see. You know even even when people are potentially being dicks and people give them love back i just love seeing that you know i see it all the time when i work with the police right is that there's people always trying to egg them on like always trying to get them to like do something that they're going to like get in trouble for obviously nowadays i can appreciate that because everybody wants to get rich without doing anything and if you can get rich by taking a punch in the face by a police constable why not because i mean if you're that lazy you're going to do that. You can do whatever you can to get some coin. <laughs> but anyway, when I watch it, what I'm always amazed by, or I'm generally amazed by is how the majority of the officers respond to that. They don't respond to it. Like it's a threat. They respond to it. Like it's an opportunity to like meet you at your level and joke with you. Like, cause they, they, they're human. Right. So it's kind of like, uh, they, they fight all that bullshit with kindness, for the most part. Obviously, if you take a swing at a cop, you're going to get the shit kicked out of you. I'm not going to lie to you. Chances are pretty good you're going to be in trouble, right? Uh, but outside of that, when it, we're talking about simply um, people being hostile to one another and then other people responding with kindness, right? Because that's what I think, if people say, what would Jesus do? That's what Jesus would do, period. Whether it's easy for you to do it or not, That's what Jesus would do. So we don't get to like turn this human into something that the human wasn't, right? The human was like Buddha or like whichever gentle creature that we're using to identify a spiritual path with, that creature usually is generous, loving, um, compassionate, human, right? Um, All those different qualities that's what we're looking for of course we're going to create some heavenly god that embodies all of those qualities with a little side of um we're going to murder every other religion (laughs) we're going to kill all the muslims in our crusades or we're going to have a jihad against all the christians right like or there's going to be all these other little factional wars right with um different factions of Islam or different factions of Christianity, right? And frankly, and this is just again my opinion, but as a Christian, I'm tired of it. Like I'm just tired. I'm tired of it because first of all, I'm not going to make an excuse for being a Christian. I'm not going to ask for your fucking permission. But at the same time, it, it gets hard um to not want to give up that belief when you when you hear and see those Cretans that talk about Christianity the way they want it to be, right? Which is about condemning and separating and fear mongering. And, um, and of course, I don't think any, anyone listening, I don't think we have to like think very hard on what's going on out there in the world and whether or not um, it's a good thing, right? With in terms of religion and the conflicts and all this crap, right? I think that as soon as we get away from that, like having to fight all all the time, and and I understand that every living being fights, and because that, that's just or living thing fights to survive. That's something that as humans I think we forget. We we think that well no there's we need to make peace. Hey I'm all about peace man. I'm a fucking hippie right. Like I want peace love. I do want my deodorant, but I do want peace and love. Um, and I do like eating meat. But the truth of the matter is, we don't need war anymore, right? We don't need it. it matter of fact, if we stop doing it, like if we just simply said, we're not going to go to war anymore, what the fuck would happen? Well, we'd stop putting a bunch of money into going to war. We're, we're not going to invade anybody. And I mean, we're Canada, right? So we don't really want to go to war anyway, you know. Um, but see, I think Canada is the United States' progressive uncle, Right. That's what I think about it. I think it is. It's a progressive uncle who's like, I can't even really get mad at you because you're not my kid, <laughs> right? But I don't understand what the fuck you're doing, <laughs> right? So we're like the, Canada's like the progressive uncle. We're like, just a little bit more progressive. Not a lot, just a little bit, right? We don't have to fight about everything. Um, And honestly, I'm a dual citizen, right? So th- that. That progression in, in Canada, that's why I stay, to be honest. Like, it, it, I could go back down south and do some different, like, training to be able to work down there again because I'm a dual citizen. But the truth is, man, I've been here for, like, over 20 years, and I'm not going back down there. And the reason I'm not going back down there is because there's absolutely, besides some of my friends that are still living in California, there's, like, no reason to go back down there. You know um and that kind of that's kind of sad well i used to miss it right like and i still miss it i miss the ocean all the time um because i was basically i don't know my mom and dad basically put us in water from the time we were like infants so i just i'm always going to associate living with the water but of course we do have an ocean in canada as well and so i could always go to our coast right and and still be inside this place that I feel is I feel like Canada has the opportunity to just continually get better, right? Like better and better. And I don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about like Trudeau or politics or anything like that. I just mean as our people, right? Because in my mind, Trump, Trudeau, Kim Jong, whoever, right? I not I can't remember. It's Un, right? Yeah. Whoever's in charge, wherever they are, it's not up to them, right? but we keep giving up everything about us, just like I was doing for bosses for so long. I would just, no, I'm here. So I have to just do everything that I'm told, um, think what I'm supposed to think and have no issues with whatsoever. Well, it didn't take very long for that to wear off. (laughs) It only took about 36 years, right? For me to be tired of living in someone else's like way of thinking. And, Um, I think more and more people today are doing what they want, right? Are doing what they feel called to do. Whatever that is, whether it's selling um, crocheted blankets on the internet, whatever it is, people are now able to access ways of of actually making a living, potentially doing it. Um, And I I think that's awesome. I think it's fantastic. I, I, I would like to see all of us doing what we love. I think we would fight less. I think we would be less miserable we'd have less well much less conflict because we wouldn't be in so much conflict with ourselves right and then from when i was working with other agencies and stuff like that the work was fantastic they were doing so when i say that i just couldn't beat my head up against the wall anymore it's not because i thought they were bad it's just because they were doing their thing and i needed to go do my thing that's all right um i don't hold any grudges against anyone because this process of like recovery and growing is going to uncover all kinds of stuff that I didn't know last year yeah if you'd asked me like 10 years ago what recovery was like I would have given you a very limited answer because I was hoping it was limited I was hoping that I wouldn't grow too much I was hoping that things wouldn't change too much even though I desperately needed things to change I was also clinging to holding on to those things right Um, because they were safe like it was it was safe to behave the way I had behaved, right? Because I'd never had to do anything different. Until um, the inner, like some sort of, I'm going to say cosmic intervention, whatever. People can make with it what they want. Um, But it was like divine intervention, whatever. It caused a psychic shift in my head. Like another shift that said, yeah, something's got to shift, man. Something's got to change. Or you're going to drink, right? Because I was promiscuous I was lying cheating stealing um, not stealing money but stealing time from people um, and just basically being selfish just the way I was when I was drinking only now I didn't have like an outlet like I couldn't drink right um, so about yeah it was about four years in I made a decision I was going to do the work instead of quit and go back out and that was because someone said something. They had no idea what I was thinking of doing. They just simply said something to me at a meeting. And this is these little things that remind me that, yeah, in fact, there is God, right? Is because I'm sitting in this meeting and I got like, um, I'm going, I've been going through stuff. I did some stuff to a, a, a lady uh, lying and dishonesty and stuff uh, and using her and manipulating to get what I wanted out of it. Um, and so, but it was, it was so severe at that moment when it happened, I had never felt the, the repercussions of it before, like I did that time. And so that was for me, that was it. Cause I was about to go out and I said, Nope, I better fucking do the work. Cause if I go out, I'm dead. So, um, then this program, A, the AA, the NA, all these 12 step programs started to make more sense to me when i obviously was not fighting them all the time cuz i you when you're resisting you're not learning you're just fucking saying no right like it's just i'm not i'm not hearing you so why are you talking <laughs> right um and like i guess i'll just finish talking about pathways man and freedom's path if that's okay cuz i don't have time to get into like legalization of marijuana like i we'll save that for the for another time um because i'd rather discuss that with with other people and the reason is is because of course i have my opinions of it but my opinions are like i don't know i just want people to be alive so that's what my opinions are based on right um i don't need people to be uh sober in my definition i just want people to be alive that's it i don't care how sober you are or aren't i just if if there's something that's helping you survive, you know, then uh, that's what I'm going to be for. But of course, trying to get to a place where we don't have to punish ourselves for the pain that we are already in, right? And that's really what addiction is, is just pain. It begins and ends with pain. And, um, and I, can't, I think it was Eckhart Tolle that said that originally where I heard it, I just can't quite remember. So if it is Eckhart Tolle, good. If not, I don't know. Bob or whoever said it, I'm sorry, Uh, because it could have been somebody in one of my, one of the places I go to that said it, and I just can't remember. Um, So anyway, uh, Freedom's Path. So it's three days, it's a workshop, it's intensive, um, and it created the foundation for Freedom's Path Recovery Society, right? So from there, um, about, oh, Jesus, it's going to be two years ago this December I can't believe how fast time goes it'll be two years ago December that a gentleman who I'd been working with for a few years approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in doing pathways as a charity or as an agency kind of thing and I said oh would I ever and um, because i had been doing it as a contract social worker prior to that just a contract Um, and so this was the beginning of where we are today, which isn't that far away because it's only been two years almost, but to a point where we are um, just able to reach people that we weren't able to reach two years ago, right? Like we're, we're able to connect in different ways. This podcast is one of those ways, right? Um, the podcast is one of the evolutions of, I think, for me anyway, working with people, like it was a natural evolution, um, because most of the work I do on a daily basis is heavy and painful for people and and rightfully so. I think that sitting down in a casual setting like this and having a conversation about those things that used to be devastating, I believe it helps set us free even a little bit more, right, and then on top of that, it helps other people who are listening, you know um. So this is just one, one part of the evolution of a pathway to freedom group that um, has gone from being something that was very limited to something that is now like starting to encompass like a whole agency and, and not the program itself but the spirit of the program which for my money being that I created it was created out of a desire to be more tolerant okay, of all people regardless of what they have done do or or say um that was for me right the the hope i had was that other people can benefit the way i benefit from doing this right and that is take away some judgments right humanize me more and more each day with other people right Um, because see sometimes in this in my profession if you're as an alcoholic or an addict in a profession like mine or similar in some way where you're working with humans every day, um, some of us think that we're in a different position, right? So some of my colleagues who are also in recovery, they, they can now, I don't really associate with too many folks like this anymore. I think it just naturally doesn't happen anymore, but there used to be a couple of colleagues that were very much separate from their clients separate from the people they work with. And I can appreciate that because that's what's in all our textbooks, right? Um, So I can appreciate it. I get it. Um, But what the one thing I haven't been able to do and I don't try to do it anymore is trying to separate myself from who I'm working with. Now, I do separate the fact that their pain is not my pain. That that much obvious to me, but the always being in a clinical setting it's just like, it's demoralizing for me. And I found that it's demoralizing for the people I work with, right? So every once in a while, I, I'll get with a client and say, let's go for a walk, right? So that it's not the same shit over and over again. When I worked at the treatment center and even up until I broke my back, I would go with th- with guys to the gym. Because as men, like I've always been to the gym since, well, I've gone to the gym since I was 14. I've worked out. So... To me, when guys come out of the pen, that's all they've done. They've worked out, they've eaten. (laughs) That's it, right? So they come out, and when I was at the treatment center I worked at, I found that they were so much more open and and vulnerable when we were in the gym. So I started doing that regularly. And then I started doing fifth steps along the river because I found that when we're walking, and fifth step is like a confession, okay? So um, a confession with a little feedback from the listener. So as... In some cases, people who are comfortable with the idea, walking has been so helpful for them to talk because they're not focused on having to be scared. They're focused on walking and just talking, right? And so I've found that in a lot of casual settings, you can get some very positive therapeutic um, value out of it, right? And just in normal things like taking a walk with somebody, right? Or going to the gym with somebody or having a coffee with somebody right it's there, there is a time and a place for the clinical agreed like the the group this weekend going through it's very much a closed group it's very clinical there's very little um but there still is a casual nature to it because I don't have to change who I am right because it's one of the, it's something that came out of me and so I figure well at the least I can at least do this honestly <laughs> <laughs> I'll at least try to be genuine with this, and then of course, it leads into I think when a human's more genuine can be more genuine in their work life and their home life, all these different things start to happen. We become genuine in almost every area of our life as much as we can, right in given a, a certain day. obviously it's not a perfect science, and my program isn't perfect like any other program isn't perfect it's not going to work for everybody. Um, But it might work for you. I don't know. Um, I'm certainly willing to give it a shot with anybody, right? To take uh, anyone through the program that's interested in even just like seeing if there's anything to it, right? It's three days. And one of the reasons why I condensed it, because originally I had made it eight weeks. And I just didn't see the practicality of that um, because people have to work. And it's not it's not residential treatment, so there's nothing I can do to feed them. (laughs) So it was more a matter of okay, how can I get the information to people? And you can come. People have come multiple times, right? They've come back through the years, and I always appreciate that. You know, I appreciate it because I do a step four and a five. So I do like the written inventory of all the crap, and then a five, which is the confession. I do that every year. I do that every year because my brain plays tricks on me. And tells me that i'm doing fine when i'm not right it's doing fine when i can absolutely look in the mirror and see that i'm bleeding right like that kind of thing my brain's like no no it's just a little blood it's just a small head wound it's just a scratch um i cut your arm off it's just a scratch (laughs) so um anyway i think yeah i think that's it man i think that's good We would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representative of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation we may share with organizations or individuals. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do each and every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson. As usual, your work is incredible. Thanks for donating it to us. I am not here without each of our board of directors Trent Baker, Todd Deere, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morijo, Wayne Lurie, and John James. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society and now a charity, thank you. Who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering from, with addiction of all types, mental illness, codependency, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. If you are interested in attending our upcoming or future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or find us on Facebook at Freedoms Path Recovery Society. If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? As for me, I'm David Lurie, and I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time here is quite limited after all.